0: For those who don't know me, my name's Nathan, I'm part of the leadership team here, and guests and visitors, you are so welcome amongst us. We love having guests and visitors, and uh, we hope that you enjoy uh, your morning with us and feel at home. And um, This morning, uh, as a church, we love the Bible, and we love reading God's Word. It's God's Word for us. And so we love to spend time reading it, digging into it, understanding it, because it gives us pointers for who God is, it reveals who God is, and it reveals actually God's plan for us and his plan for our lives, both as individuals and the world that he's created. Over the last years, decades, we've been going through a book in the Bible uh, called Galatians, uh, it's been brilliant. I am, Personally, I'm loving it. I hope you are too. I hope you enjoy actually going into a book in real depth, that we're not trying to rush over anything, but we're trying to take it for what it is and go bit by bit, uh, little by little. And this is a book called Galatians, or a letter called Galatians. Uh, Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia because he cares passionately about them. He oversees them as churches and he loves them dearly. And so he's writing this letter to encourage them and to build them up. Andrew is currently away. Andrew, one of our elders, is currently away in Texas, in America. Woo! USA! And I uh, can't help it, can you? You can't help it. And, uh, and Andrew is overseeing some of the churches out there. And he's doing basically what Paul is doing here for the Galatians. Andrew is doing something of that the church in Texas. He's doing a really great job. He's caring for and he's loving, for, uh, loving the church out there and he's looking to build them up and encourage them. So please continue to pray for Andrew uh, as he spends time blessing those churches out there. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking at a few verses at the end of Galatians 3 uh, this morning, and, um, which we did briefly go into Galatians 4 last week, briefly, and we're back in the end of three I think we're back in four again next week, so it's all right. We are moving forward gradually. Identity is a word that is branded around a lot today, whether it's your job or your gender or sexuality or your family. We can find ourselves looking for identity in so many different areas, so many different things, and so many different people. And it's hard to find out, well, what actually is our identity? Who are we? And what are we made for? And this morning, I want to look at what it means to have our identity in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Because if we truly understand what it means to be in Christ as believers, we will have a greater assurance of who we are and what we're made for. So if you've got a Bible, let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. And it should hopefully come up on the screen as well. Galatians 3, verses 23 to 29. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith for all Of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Just hold that, sorry, Joe, for one moment again. I'm just going to read those two verses again at the bottom there. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Thank you. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you all are are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let me pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, we're so glad to be here together in your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're working. Thank you you're in our midst. That you're working in all of our hearts. And you're wanting to do something fresh in us today. You're wanting to reveal fresh things about yourself. You're wanting to reveal fresh things about who we are in you. And so, Lord, I pray, would you come and speak? Lord, we love your word. And we pray, Lord God, that it would be honored today. And we pray that each of us would go away from this place knowing you deeper and enjoying you more. And so I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. For those who don't know me well, I'm married to Juliana down here, and we have a 10-month-old son named Gaines, and um, before we had children, well, before we had a child, child, just one, um, (laughs) one's enough right now, thanks. Um, Before we had children, lots of people said to us, parenting is really hard. I don't know whether if your parents out there uh, and and you were told that but we were told lots of it in fact maybe some people here said to us parenting is really hard and you know what i found it's really hard <laughs> it's really hard. it's it's amazing how you can be told something and you take it in and you go yeah yeah i get that i get i, I get it's hard but until you live it you just don't know do you you, it, you just suddenly in a situation like that, you, you just don't know until it's suddenly, it's all that consumes you. It's like surrounding everywhere. You don't get a waking moment to yourself. It's just like every moment is consumed with caring for this 10-month-old son. He poops on you. <laughs> he throws up on you. Whilst, po- whilst changing his at the, nappy at the moment, he loves just to kick his feet everywhere. And it's just like, and he puts his hands down, and he's like grabbing, oh, you're like, no, not your hands in the poo, and it's it's nasty. He throws up on you. It's it's hard work. But you know what? It's way better than I ever imagined. It's way better. It's way better. No one could have told me how great it is for me to experience how great it is. I love being a dad. I love it. My life has completely changed. I can't go out suddenly at a moment's notice. I can't walk out the door without getting him ready and, and getting him prepared and and thinking of everything that I need and then Jules telling me no I've forgotten something because I'm really bad at remembering everything that I need. Everything has changed. Life has changed. My old life has been left behind and a new life has come. As we read these verses in Galatians, there's something of that going on. Just a small parallel. Life has been completely changed. These verses that we read, that we are in Christ. That we are in Christ. That we have been baptized into Christ. That we have been clothed with Christ. There are three things that we're going to look at this morning. Life has completely changed turned around for someone who becomes a Christian following Christ is a life-changing experience one that changes you forever life is never the same again we're different there's new priorities in life there's a new way of living why is that well last week Andrew spoke about how we've gone from becoming slaves to becoming sons and he used this term sons, not to discount women, but actually that actually we are all sons and daughters. The passage uses sons over and over again because it's talking about a status. It's talking about that we are heirs. And in that time when this letter was written, only sons got the inheritance. So it's right and say, so actually, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, actually, we're all sons. We all get the inheritance. It's a beautiful passage. We've gone from being in slavery to being sons and daughters of the living God with an inheritance for us. And so this morning I want to look, look to carry this on, specifically looking at how in becoming Christians we die to our old life and we take up a new life in Christ. Our old ways of sin, they've passed away. They've died with Christ and we've been raised to a new life, a new identity In him. So this morning, then, let's start with in Christ. Galatians 3:26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Paul loves to use this phrase. If you read the New Testament, it is all over it. He loves to write about it. In fact, I've counted about 75 times. He says, In Christ or in Jesus. It's all over the New Testament that those who become Christians are in Christ. We were without Christ, not living for him and in great need of him because of our sin, but now we are in Christ. We have received all we need in him. It used to be, it's used in the New Testament so many times that this message just keeps wanting wanting to come through. For those who believe you are in Christ, you are outside, but now you're in. The message is told again and again. Christians, believers, followers of Jesus are no longer living for themselves. They are in Christ. We have been brought into the family of God, brought into the blessings of Christ, brought into the future and the hope that Jesus promises us, brought into an advancing kingdom of God. To be in Christ means that we are no longer outside of Him, no longer slaves to the world, no longer slaves to sin. Or slaves to legalism, we have been brought into the grace of God, brought into the knowledge of who God is and all his purposes for our life, brought in to hope and love. Am I getting the point across yet? We've been brought in. We were outside, but now we're in. To be in Christ means that we are no longer outside of him. Our identity as a Christian is all rooted in Christ. As Paul goes on to say, my identity isn't found in, uh, in my nationality. It's not found in my gender or my age. It's not in my skills or my qualifications. It's not in my family or my children. My identity is that I am in Christ. I am his and he is mine. I'm all his. Everything I have it belongs to him because I get everything from him. I get all the blessings on Christ when I'm in Him. Everything I own is His. Everything I have is His. My character, my possessions, and all my skills are all His. And because I'm in Christ, I am a child of God. As Christians, we live from our identity, not for our identity. We are defined by who we are in Christ. Not what we do or fail to do for Christ. Christ defines who we are by who he is and what he has done in and through us. And so it's vital that each of us, that every believer here, has an understanding that we are in Christ. Sons and daughters of God brought into the family. Secondly then, we are in Christ And we identify with Christ. Paul in these verses is wanting to re-emphasize that those who follow Christ are brought into Christ and adopted as children of God. And he goes on to say this in verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. All of you who have been baptized into Christ. Why baptism? Baptism. Why baptized? Baptism is an outward sign of what has gone on in the heart of someone. Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to the Father in Matthew 28, he said, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, baptizing them. Baptism is for those who have made faith-filled decisions to follow Christ. That's why we don't sprinkle babies here. This is a personal choice for those who follow Jesus. Why? Because baptism represents two things. Firstly, we have died with Christ. As we baptize someone, as we lower them into a pool of water, usually right here where the band set up and play, and amazingly they don't fall through at any point. As we lower them down, they go down into their death with Christ. It's like this picture, this pool is a grave here. We lower people down because they've died. They've died to their old life. They've died with Christ. We are lowered down to identify with Christ, that our sin and our old life has died with him and has been buried with Christ. We're identifying with Christ's death. He's taken our pain and our suffering. Friends, for those who are here and are followers of Christ, we have died with Christ. As he was hung up on that cross 2,000 years ago, our sin was nailed to the cross with him. Finished, paid for, dealt with, done, past, present, and future sin, dealt with, paid in full. The penalty of sin is death, and that penalty has been paid. Hallelujah. And so baptism helps us to identify with Christ. It's our personal statement to say, yes, my old life has died. I am forgiven. I have left living for myself in the grave with him. And it's a declaration to say, I am in Christ. Secondly, we've been resurrected with Christ. We don't stay in the pool. We don't stay in the grave. Hallelujah. We don't drown there. And we're brought back up. We're brought back up. We are raised back up to show that while we have died to our sin and our old life, we have been raised to a new life, a new way of living. A life in Christ. The old life has gone. We are a new creation. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We've been raised with Christ. We've been given life, freedom, freed from sin, freed from religion, as this series is called, freed into grace freed into relationship, freed into inheritance as sons and daughters. Believer's baptism is a wonderful experience for us as Christians to go through. We are declaring personally, not based on anyone else's faith, that we have died and been raised with Christ, that we're changed, that we're different, that we love and follow Jesus, that Jesus comes first in all that we do. Do we have to get to a certain point in our faith to get baptised? Do we have to have everything sorted in our lives to get baptised? No. Baptism is a step of faith. It's a step of faith. No, I believe I have died with him. I have been raised with him. I have a new life in him. We live in a sinful world and so we are tempted all the time and we fail and fall all the time. Does that mean that our baptism was irrelevant? No. No, no, we've died with Christ and all of our sins have been buried with him past, present and future and we live for Christ. It's for all believers. What a privilege that we get to identify with Christ. That we make a declaration over our lives to say I've died with him. I have a new life in Christ. I am his and he is mine. Friends, just to Ensure that I'm being clear here. Baptism doesn't save us. Baptism, it's it's not like God suddenly got, okay, I I know that I said it's not all about works and law that you have to... But now I'm suddenly putting baptism in. Actually, if you get baptized, you'll say, no, no, baptism doesn't save us. Baptism is a declaration of the work that God's already done in us. Baptism is for a life of faith. Faith Faith-filled obedience follows Christ no matter what the cost. It's a glorious, wonderful moment of a faith of faith in a believer's life. I love it when we get to baptize people here. I love it when we hear the stories of what God's done. Some people have been Christians for years and then suddenly this revelation comes and they go, I need to be, get baptized. I see it in the Bible. I need to be baptized. It's like, yes, come on. Great. We're celebrating with you. Others, like being a Christian just a few weeks and suddenly go, I see it in the Bible. I need to get baptized. It's like, yes, come on. I love it, it's stories, stories of God's grace, stories of God's goodness, stories of a life that has been transformed and changed, of a life that was living for themselves, living for the world, and then suddenly changed by Christ, in Christ, new life, new hope, a new creation. As we identify with Christ in his death and resurrection, we're also following in his footsteps in being baptized himself. That He came up out of the water. We read in Matthew 3, it says, After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. So we want to be baptized in water to declare our spiritual death and resurrection, but we also want to receive the spirit. And know the affirmation that we are children of God as we read in Galatians 4 or read in Galatians 4 verse 6 last week, and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, "Abba, Father." Those who are baptized into Jesus can have the promised Holy Spirit too, that we can be filled with God's Spirit, can be empowered to live for him and to know the deep, intimate love of Father God. Hear him speak into us and say, I love you. I take great delight over you. Not based on what we've done, but because I love you because I love you. I love you because that's who I am. Have you heard God speak that over you? because he wants to he wants you to know that he wants you to know that deeply he loves you he takes delight over you he took delight over creating you and forming you he takes delight in going to work in you and changing you to be more like him to bring out the best in you he just takes delight in you firstly though because he loves you he loves you because that's who he is not because of what we've done. Coming to faith in Christ, receiving the Spirit, being baptized in Christ. They all belong together. It's not a once you get promoted to a certain level, you can have these things. It's, a, it's not once a, I've been a Christian for so many years, I can, I can get involved in this. No, no, be baptized. If you follow Him, be baptized. If you love Christ, receive the Spirit. If you want to follow after him, have more of him. If you need forgiveness, put your trust in Jesus. If you believe, be baptized. If you're thirsty, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's open for anyone, not based on performance. Thirdly then this morning, I want to look at in these couple of verses it says how we are clothed with Christ. The common baptism experience for the early church was thought to involve taking off all of your clothes and getting into a pool naked where you were then baptized and given new white robes to wear. Aren't you glad that we don't do that here? <laughs> <laughs> this was done to signify, actually, though, that you are leaving your old life behind. You're leaving your old clothes, your old identity. You're leaving it all behind. It's left behind. It's thought that were, Those clothes were then burnt. They were done. They were dealt with. And as you came up, given these new white robes, to signify you have been made pure. In Christ, you are made pure. You are made right. You are given the righteousness of Christ. We've been clothed with purity and clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Friends, we have been clothed with Christ. This means that no matter where we go or what we do, Christ is with us, in us, and wanting to use us. We have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. We are right with God. We've been accepted by God. Because of anything special that we've done? No, because we're in Christ. Because he's bought us with a price, with his blood. We have the acceptance and delight of Father God over us. That whatever situation we get ourselves into, we can know we are loved. God takes pleasure in us. Not based on what we do or what we don't do. It means that every day we put on Christ. As we go into our workplace, we are clothed with Christ. He's, shining, he's with us, shining through us. In our families and neighborhoods, Christ is on us. He's being displayed to the world through us. When others look at us, they see Christ. They may not recognize him, but as Christians, we display Christ in the way that we live, the way that we love, and the way that we care For others. When you cut your neighbor's grass, you're displaying Christ. When you say hello and just care about someone, you're displaying Christ. When you love, no matter what someone has done against you, you're displaying Christ. One final point about being clothed with Christ. Turn in your Bibles. To Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and verse, we'll go from verse 6. This is with Adam and Eve, and they're being tempted to sin by the serpent. It says, Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Then the man replied, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So the Lord God asked the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, it was your serpent. He deceived me, and I ate it. And then just skip down to verse 20. Adam named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made clothing out of skins for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. As Adam and Eve sinned, and turn their backs on God and his ways, God clothed them to hide their new, newly found nakedness and shame. Clothing them was God's grace. Right from the word go, God was revealing and showing grace to clothe them, to hide their shame. Friends, God has clothed us, not now in the grace of animal skin, although we are, but clothed in the grace of Jesus. Not an animal killed to cover our shame and our guilt, but sin, uh, sorry, and sin, but God himself, Jesus dying in our place, he took our shame. He took our guilt. He was hung on a cross naked for us. We switched it over. He was exposed. He took it all. He took all the shame. And we received the grace of God. Where God covered the nakedness and shame of Adam and Eve, Jesus took it upon himself. We have been clothed with God's grace in Christ. We are baptized into this living hope that the cross of Christ is sufficient for our salvation, our hope, our inheritance, our future of eternity with God, exploring a perfect new heaven and new earth. Just in conclusion then this morning. For those who are believers and followers of Jesus this morning, I want to just give you three conclusions. Firstly, one. You are in Christ. You are hidden in him. He's our identity. He is who and what we're living for. We've been freed from slavery to live in the grace of God, to know relationship with our loving God. We are in Christ. Secondly, We are called to identify with Christ, to leave our old lives behind and live by faith as a new creation, to be baptized in water and to know the filling of the Holy Spirit, that we might know intimacy with God and know our Heavenly Father's delight over us. Thirdly, we are clothed with Christ, clothed with righteousness, clothed with God's grace. We reveal Jesus to the world around us because we're clothed with him. We're going to respond this morning, or I'm going to encourage us to respond this morning in a number of different ways. and uh, It's up to you, really, how you respond. And, uh, but I want to encourage you to speak to God and say, Lord, what do you want to speak to me about? What do you want to show through your word this morning? The first, though, way I want to encourage us to respond is this. We are each given a new identity when we become Christians and each of us can easily slip into old habits and old ways of doing things. We, we, we look back at our old life. I might look back at my old life and go, oh, wasn't it great when I could go out, out in the evening with not a worry in the world? When games wasn't around, wasn't it great? Actually, we slip into it and think, wasn't that better? But no, no, life is better. Life is better. Christ has won us. He's won us. He's brought us out of slavery into freedom. And you might just need to remind yourself of who we are in Christ, of who you are, of who I am in Christ. And so this morning I've got a sheet here, which I've got a whole pile of them down here, which are who I am in Christ declarations. And I keep this in a notebook that I've got at home. And uh, I can't even remember how many there are. There's around 100 or so declarations of who we are in Christ all with Bible verses linked to them. There's enough for everyone down here, so you can come and take one of them. You might want to just take one this morning and and just start reading through, going, I need to remind myself who I am in Christ. I've forgotten who I am. I need to remember who I am. That's maybe one response. The second is this. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you're not yet baptized, but today you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, saying, that's for you. That's for you. That is your declaration to say, who you are and what I've done in you and if that's you I would just encourage you to make a decision today to say no I'm going to get baptized and if if you want to talk that through with Sean or myself we'd be happy to talk that through with you or maybe there's someone in your life group or someone that you know well here that you'd want to talk that through with please do that don't leave this place without having that conversation thirdly perhaps you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian. And maybe you have been coming along for a few weeks or maybe this is your first time and you think everything that has been spoken about, I want that. I want that new life in Christ. I want the old life to be done with and dealt with. I want to know forgiveness. I want to know God's grace on my life. And if that's you, I'd encourage you again, come and speak to Sean or myself or speak to the person who brought you. We'd love just to re- help pray with you and reveal God's love to you this morning. Fourthly, for all Christians here this morning, we're going to respond by taking communion. Baptism in water is a one-time thing to represent our death and resurrection with Christ. Communion is an often thing. It's a thing to remember all that Christ has done and won for us on the cross, that he died and we died with him. That he rose again and we were risen with him. This is also, sorry, this is for those who have decided to follow Christ and live our lives for him. It's an opportunity to allow God to search our hearts. It's an opportunity for us to examine our hearts and say, is there anything that God needs to come and deal with today? Is there any unforgiveness that I'm holding on to? Is there anything stopping my pursuit of God? in my life. And the way that we're going to do it this morning is, in a moment, the band are going to come up and just lead us in a time of worship and singing again. And around the room, there are four stations. And in, our, in your own time, I want to encourage you to go and take communion. It might not be at the beginning, it might be at the very end, and that's absolutely fine. You might want to spend some time worshipping and then go take communion. You might want to take communion and then lead that into your time of worship. You might want to take it with someone else. That's absolutely fine. You might want to take it by yourself and go find some space. That's absolutely fine as well. There's no rush here this morning. This is about us remembering and enjoying what God's done for us. All that he's done in our life. That we have died with him and we've been raised with him. And we get to celebrate that and proclaim that through communion. Ben, can I ask you to come and Get ready to lead us. Let's stand to our feet.